Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Energy Analyst Talk. Today we're joined by Linda Giesecke, who pulls together ESAI's analysis on global transport fuels while also following trends in the European market. Welcome back, Linda. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Um, I'm surprised that you actually pronounced my last name right because most people <laughs> don't seem to get it. So that's great. Anyway, it's a pleasure to be back. The last few times we spoke about COVID's impact on transport fuel demand. And while that continues to be an important topic, let's look at an emerging trend in Europe that has more long-term implications this time. And that is last year's surge in electric vehicles and hybrids, despite overall weak car sales. Sounds like an interesting topic. I know that auto sales were weak in the U.S. last year, especially last spring. What happened in Europe? So in the U.S., car sales slid by about 15% last year. And in Europe, because of COVID and lockdowns, auto sales dropped by 25% when you average it across 2020. And that's quite a bit. But when you look at just sales of electric vehicles, they surged. So if we add battery electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids together, sales more than doubled to 1.4 million units. And that's almost 12% of all car sales, according to the data that the European Automobile Manufacturers Association released last month. Now, when you compare that to the U.S., where we sold 0.3 million units, that's less than 3% of all cars. So in effect, Europe has pulled ahead very quickly, and it's leading global EV sales along with China. Oh, wow. That's quite the difference between U.S. and Europe. Uh, Now, you also mentioned hybrids. How did their sales do last year? And that's right. It wasn't just electric cars. So European sales of conventional hybrids quietly increased as well last year, reaching another 1.4 million units, and that's up 50%. Now, these may be a closer cousin to traditional gasoline cars than EVs, but it's important to tally them up as well because they show a move toward fuel efficiency. So when we put it all together, it means that only about three quarters of European cars sold last year were these traditional gasoline diesel powered cars. And that's a big shift in just a year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So when we look at the U.S., we see trends differ by state. California comes to mind, for example. Um, Is this the case in Europe as well? Yeah, sure. So um, the ACEA data covers 29 countries, and we do see large differences between them. So Norway, for example, has been at the forefront for years, and Iceland and Sweden have strong EV sales too. And then on the flip side, we have new members to the EU, such as the Czech Republic and Poland, where EV sales have barely taken off. But because of their small size, they don't have the impact that California has within the U.S., But if we turn to the five major countries in Europe, we see that EV sales grew quickly in the UK, in France, and especially Germany last year. So EV sales in Germany, for example, they reached 14% of car sales in 2020, compared to just 3% the year before. EV sales in Spain and Italy did not accelerate as quickly, but if we include these conventional hybrid sales, they did rise quickly in Spain and especially Italy. So if you pull it together, the move away from traditional ICE cars was spread across all of these major countries. So what's behind this surge? There are many reasons. You know, you can include falling battery costs and additional EV models. 
But the two main factors in Europe that are currently boosting sales are these EV purchase incentives and also the EU vehicle emission standards. Now, so many countries had already boosted EV incentives in 2019, but they were expanded further last year. And many of these were tied to stimulus funds. Um, for example, Germany boosted, I think it doubled purchase subsidies last July to 9,000 euros for battery electric vehicles and to 6,750 euros for these plug-in hybrids. And they were originally meant to expire in, I think, 2020, but that now has been extended through 2025. France also raised EV subsidies last June, and this was extended by six months to the middle of this year. And there, the private car subsidies are 7,000 euros for electric vehicles and 2,000 euros for these uh, plug-in hybrids. Now, in the UK, they have a subsidy of about 3,000 pounds for a battery electric vehicle, and that's also been extended through 2022. So what's key is that these subsidies have generally been extended. And in the case of Germany and France, they account for a large chunk of the purchase price. What about the vehicle emission standards? How do they factor in? So on an EU level, we have more stringent emission standards going into effect for passenger cars. And this is putting pressure on automakers to sell more fuel-efficient cars and EVs. So to put that into context, the, the emissions target fell from 130 grams of CO2 per kilometer to 95 grams last year. And last year, it applied to 95% of new passenger car sales. But as of this year, that standard applies to all car sales, and it's more stringent. So, so keep in mind that the average emissions were still 123 grams in 2019, and they'd actually been inching up over the past few years. So what's required now compared to 2019 is basically a 20% drop in emissions for new cars. Although there are opportunities to use credits to, to meet that target. Can the EV momentum be sustained? There are general concerns over whether the mining industry can quickly raise capacity to meet the surge in demand for EV battery raw materials such as lithium, cobalt, and nickel. And there's also the question of whether Europe can you know, expand its charging infrastructure fast enough to meet these rising number of EVs on the road. And a third concern is, you know, the popularity of SUVs in Europe. And it basically throws another curveball as it requires the rollout of electric SUV models, which, you know, hasn't really been as popular recently. But all that being said, the policy support and the mandates are strong in Europe. And it's not just because purchase subsidies have been extended. If you take the emission standards, automakers face hefty fines if they don't meet the emission standards. So Volkswagen, for example, announced that it will face a fine of, I think it was more than 100 million euros for being off by 0.5 grams per kilometer um, above that target in 2020. And this is from an automaker that's one of the leaders in EVs. The second point is that automakers can use super credits to meet these targets. And so, for example, for this year, there's a strong incentive to sell EVs because every single low emission vehicle counts as the equivalent of 1.7 cars for these credit calculations. And the third point to make is that these emission targets are only going to get more stringent. So the EU currently aims to reduce these levels 
to, I think it's 81 grams of CO2 per kilometer in 2025, and then something like, you know, 59 by 2030. So because of all these reasons, we believe that the momentum should be sustained in Europe this year. The question is to what level? So um, the EV share of car sales was 12% average across the year last year. And if we use the fourth quarter of 2020 as a guide, could they reach 18% this year? If we include conventional hybrids, then it could add up to possibly a third of all sales. These sound like high numbers, but remember that a lot of European countries are proposing ICE bans in the coming 10 to 15 years. So what impact does all this have on demand for road fuel? As I said at the beginning of the podcast, the impact is long-term. So we need to remember that the average age of a European car is over 10 years. And that means that it could take a decade for hybrids and EVs to penetrate the passenger car stock. Those are the cars in use, the way they've penetrated car sales. So to put this into context, of the 270 million passenger cars in use across Europe at the moment, roughly 3% are LPG, less than 2% are conventional hybrids, and only 1% are actually EVs. So the impact on gasoline and diesel demand is still very small. And when you think about it in the short term, we still expect gasoline and diesel demand to actually recover this year and next year as COVID is contained and mobility restrictions are lifted. But what's important is that today's auto sales set the stage for the long-term decline in European road fuel demand. So I guess an analogy is hybrid and EV sales currently are like a tsunami for traditional ICE car sales. But when it comes to the impact on road fuel consumption, it's really one of a slow rolling wave. Focusing briefly on the energy transition in general, what else can be done to address CO2 emissions in the transport sector? The other piece of the puzzle is not just reducing the use of these fuels, but replacing them with, for example, biofuels. And by that, I mean you know, ethanol, biodiesel, and, and um, renewable diesel. The UK, for example, has announced that it's moving from E5 to E10 gasoline by September. Um, so these trends are also policy-driven, and um, there are very ambitious European targets by 2030. But that's really a topic for a future podcast. Well, then I look forward to having you back later to discuss that topic further. Sure, that sounds great. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy.